This is Cole. Learn how to tell stories in logic. My God. <laughs> You're so, this is so hard. And this is Ron. Yes. I hate your guts. Oh, that's a lie. That's a lie right there. Oh, desperation is a stinky cologne. We are the creative team. Oh, my God. I quit. Well, it's the big hole. Did you really just book that? <laughs> Michael Jordan and The Undertaker. Uh, in your face. One of them has 30 years, and the other one is just Michael Jordan. Woo! Welcome back to another exciting episode of... Oh! The Creative Team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of... The Creative Team. I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me, as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilborn. Ronald, how the heck are you today, bud? Oh, buddy, we're on the Ron Stoppable Cole train, and we are heading our way to the end of the year. This this year flew by, I gotta tell you. Like, you know, ever since the pandemic happened, I feel like I've lost a year. But, like, maybe it's just our age. Our time just seems to be flying by real fast. I can't believe it's already December of 2022. But I am excited to be here and talk to you today. How are you doing this evening? Well, um, the last two weeks have been an interesting whirlwind since we last recorded. I did my Idaho trip for Thanksgiving. Uh, Everything went great. I got to spend lots of time with one Quill Gargano. He spent most of the week asleep right here on my chesticles. So that was fantastic. And, uh, you know, things happened. And uh, since... Uh, neither Johnny nor Candace were on the Survivor Series. They got to hang out with us like the entire week. The last few times they've been up for Thanksgiving, they had to wait until after Wednesday night recording, fly on the red eye, get in, you know, first thing Thursday morning. And then my sister baked like a mad woman all day so that we had Thanksgiving dinner. Well, this time they got to show up on Tuesday and then hang out till Sunday. But... Uh, on my Sunday drive home, which is a 13-hour drive from Idaho, uh, we got about an hour and a half in, and my car stopped working, which was fun and delightful in the middle of Oregon somewhere. Uh, but luckily, I was right at the edge of my 100-mile towing for AAA, so it didn't cost me an arm and a leg. Uh, my parents' neighbor up there happens to own a body shop. He's a mechanic, and so uh, the repairs were fine, but it took about a week to get the repairs. So we had to, like, scramble, find flights, fly home, work shit out. But since the weather is an issue right now in Heidi-Ho, I had to just zoom up there on a Tuesday, land, have lunch, jump in my car, start driving back the 13 hours, uh, stayed somewhere in the middle of Nevada, and then finished driving home. So this is my first three hours of free time in about 10 days. And we're cramming this in today, so we need to thank our guest, especially for making this happen today, and especially Ron. Uh, if you had any hair left, I'm sure you would have pulled it all out with my incessant fuck me text and uh, everything trying to get in the way of this. So, Wade, thanks for being here today, bud. Wade, need him, everybody. Thank you guys for having me on again. Uh, always enjoying uh, being on your guys' show. Wade, need him. Uh, Ring Scoops, Godfather himself, uh, his own podcast. You guys should go check him out. Uh, he's got a wealth of knowledge in the wrestling business, has been a commentator on multiple independent shows, and is a staple in our show and was part of this 
show last year when we solidified who we thought was going to be the breakout star of 2022. Today, he's going to be our third man who is going to actually solidify who was the star of 2022 in our world-famous two-part bracket. Cole, this is uh, one of our favorite things to do, and uh, we say that about every bracket. And every top ten, and every other show that we do, <laughs> and every single thing we do. I'm glad you're. If catching it wasn't on. our, fa- if it's not our favorite, we're not going to do it. <laughs> Everything is our favorite thing to do, and it should be your favorite thing to listen to. Put us in your ears; you'll be glad you did. So this is the fun one. So you guys can go back about 12 months in the archives here and hear what our predictions for 2022 were. Uh, did uh, anyone bother to listen to that to see what we predicted would be who we predicted would be the breakout star of 2022, Ronald? Oh, yes. I have on good authority that it was Roman <laughs> Reigns that won our bracket last year. And, you know, okay. that is fair. It's definitely fair. But my goodness, in the world of wrestling, and as far as being on top, he is sure the man. But was he the most talked about thing this year? Oh, we'll find out soon. Uh, we're going to actually get into it quite in a little bit. I'm excited. Uh, Cole, I know you have the bracket in front of you. I know you made all the matches. You, it's one of your fun things to do. I can't wait to see who you paired up against each other in the first round. All right. Now, before we get started, Wade, do you have any questions? I know you're a veteran of our show, so you know the deal. Do you have any questions before we get started? Uh, no no questions, but a very quick comment. Um, you know, The things that can change in the course of one year year ago when we were talking about who would have the best 2022 nowhere on our bingo card did we ever have the Vince McMahon situation thrown in there right and that changed the the game right there Vince retiring definitely did change the game the game is in charge ladies and gentlemen <laughs> and uh I'm excited for the future and so is a number of other people because already the Triple H era WrestleMania is already half sold out, and that's pretty damn impressive for a WrestleMania that has no card announced whatsoever. Yes. Yeah, I think this WrestleMania is already doing better in ticket sales than last year's Mania with a card. <laughs> with like, Stone a, Cold Steve yeah, Austin yeah, on yeah, it! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they had, well, I mean, part of the big reason they pushed so hard for Stone Cold was that ticket sales sucked. So, like, they threw money at him until he said yes. <laughs> And it was late. It was really late for them to be announcing Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania last year. Like, that would be something. It would be nice to have a three-month buildup. Like, maybe this year's special surprise guest at WrestleMania. Mm. You know, the rumors are still flying. WrestleMania goes Hollywood. Is The Rock going to be there? I don't know. I'm just really excited. Me too. All right. So, without further ado, let's get this bracket underway. Up first! The number one seed, Roman Reigns, taking on Dr. Britt Baker, D.M.D. Ronald. My goodness. uh, It's incredibly easy. But, you know, you got to talk about this a little bit because, you know, Britt Baker was like, you know, she was the first person to have the honor of uh, having that match, having Soraya's first match back. You know, and that's, you know, that's that's a bit of an honor for someone who, who retired from such a grueling injury. So, you know, pretty cool, pretty cool moment for Britt Baker, but not enough to beat the head of the table for 2022. The Roman Reigns main evented WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and pretty much any pay-per-view he's been booked on for a right. reason. He's the he's on the top of the food chain and definitely going to go past the dentist here. 
Wade? Uh, with all due respect to Britt Baker, she had a great year. I think she definitely came in her her own this year and is approved vastly. And you're right about the Soraya thing. You know, there's a lot of talk about that. She the honors of having her first match back in five years. However, just alone with the interactions that Roman has had with Sami Zayn, let alone on top of everything else he's done in the ring, Roman Reigns has been talked about a whole hell of a lot more. He's drawn a lot more money as well. So Roman Reigns is my vote. Well, let me just put Britt Baker over a little bit here before I talk about Roman. Um, I think last year, to me, their paths over the last two years are kind of similar. Where, like, you know, three years ago, Britt Baker, everyone was like, oh, okay, there's something there. She's got some personality, but things aren't quite clicking. And then last year, she kind of had a breakout year and like, okay, she gets it. She's settled into being a heel. You know, the story's going great. And then this year, I think she delivered. She was the most consistent um, big match women's wrestler, maybe in the industry, let alone AEW. And uh, she's great. She's really settled in to the point where the fans are behind her on a roster of women where the fans don't seem to care much about any of the women's wrestlers. So Britt's doing a really great job. She's great. And I think she has a chance to be a really big star and maybe go down in history. And, you know, 15 years from now, she might be making some of those top 10 lists when we talk about it. But... Over the last year, like, I think last year, Roman finally broke through and got over with the fans. Like, he established himself as the top heel, and people really got behind him. This year, um, I think he's kind of established himself as a top wrestler, not just a character. I mean, look at what he did with Logan Paul and, you know, a non-wrestler going out there. They absolutely stole the show. It was a phenomenal match. Um, and then let's go to the the castle the castle pay-per-view Roman really delivered. And so I, I really think he's stepped up to the point now where two years ago, we would have shit all over Roman reigns when it came up, but now he might be legitimately the best in the business. So Roman reigns moving on unanimously. And the way he caught that Mike. And then the way he took the bump with at SummerSlam with the, uh, with the, know, yeah, with the, the tractor. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> all right. This one should be interesting. I didn't. I don't think at the beginning of this year we thought this might be so tough, but the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, and Matt Riddle, mm, Ronald. Okay, you're going to be shocked at how easy I I I pick my answer here, but I have found the booking of Brian Danielson in 2022 atrocious, but his wrestling and his matches are fantastic. But the booking of Riddle has been amazing. Maybe kind of fell apart at the end of this year, but with RK Bro at the at the beginning of this year and the heated rivalry with uh, Seth Rollins where they actually did that work shoot shenanigans, cussing and stuff like that. I don't know. I was a lot more invested in Riddle storylines than I was Daniel uh, Brian Danielson storylines this year. So, I'm going to shock you and go with Riddle on this one. Wade I'm going to have to agree with everything that Ron said. Um, I, there's nothing else I could I could add on to that. I mean, he said everything that I was thinking. I'm going to go with Riddle. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Like, for me, it's always Brian Danielson. But um, I, I will agree that uh, 
I I would argue the opposite that for the first part of this year, Riddle's booking was atrocious with the the birds flying out of his ass. And yes, the RK Bro stuff was kind of fun, but he was out he was just acting like an incompetent child and it was a bit obnoxious. But you know, then the godsend that is Triple H makes Matt Riddle a little bit more serious and his feud with Seth uh, is probably what's going to keep me from using my Darso here in this moment um, because the feud with Seth was definitely better than anything that Brian Danielson did this year as far as, you know, wrestling goes. And I just, as hot as Brian started in AEW, and as over as he was getting as a heel before William Regal showed up in January or February or whatever this year, and then they just middled him in a tag team, like, I, oh, because they, it was, you know, written in stone the day AEW started that Adam uh, Hangman was going to be the fourth champion, no matter what no matter who comes or who we sign or whether he gets over or not, he's going to be the fourth world champion because I decided it three years ago. So, all right, I'll let you guys get away with riddle moving on in this one. I'm not, not gonna, not gonna fight it. Yeah. If this was 2021. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right. Ron's going to hate me right now. FTR and Gunther. As much as I hate it, uh, FTR has one, maybe two matches that were just like the best tag matches ever. Uh, but Gunther's getting the push of a lifetime and making the Intercontinental title important again. And uh, as much as we discredit Unka Dave uh, Meltzer for his star ratings, uh, Gunther is one half of the first five-star match WWE has earned from that guy in years. So, I'm going. Well, I'm going with Gunther. main. Yeah, main roster WWE. Johnny got a handful of five star matches in the NXT uh, wing of WWE, but okay, correct. Okay, main, first main roster five star in a while. Yeah. So, so. Yeah. And 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 of course my fandom. Um, I'm going with Gunta. Yes. Yes. So. Oh. It's just hard for me because when we talk about who the top stars of this year were, it's hard for me to put Gunther up there. Even though his run has been great, his push has been great, the Intercontinental title feels good again, and that's nice. All of his matches have been undercard matches, whereas FTR is main evented pay-per-views. They're main eventing in Japan. They're main, I mean, they're, they've won all the titles from the world except the bucks wouldn't put them over for the AEW titles so you know they're one belt short it i feel like at least for the first half of this year FTR made a much bigger splash than Gunther has yet um so for that I'm going FTR and leaving it up to Wade uh, you know it is a tough one because I do remember a lot of talk and accolades given to FTR at the beginning of the year. Um, but as far as uh, a consistent rise and not like a up and then back down, but like a steady rise and still keep going. Gunther definitely has that. 
um, if you were to compare how both started the year versus how the year is ending for them, it's, you know, Gunther's still going up. FTR dropped. They dipped a little bit. Um, so I'm going to have to go with Gunther on that one. All righty then. Moving on to Drew McIntyre and the man, Becky Lynch. I'll start this one so Ron doesn't have to start every single one. <laughs> um, man, again, this is another one where like a year ago, two years ago, these were the top stars. I mean, uh, Drew was at the pinnacle and then COVID happened and it just killed every little bit of his push. And then it seemed like when he did finally get the title with fans, they were over it. But it feels like in the last few months, again, since Triple H took over and they've been making him an ass kicker and he's had a little more personality, the fans have really gotten behind him. Like his... His build-up to Roman Reigns, the match with Roman, was the first time in his whole career I've ever given a shit about Drew McIntyre because he cut that just insane, great promo on Raw to build that up. And then, if you just watch that show, you think Drew McIntyre's the biggest star in the business right now today because that crowd was absolutely insane at the Clash at the Castle. Um, So there's that part. But, uh, you know, every time Becky has come back, it's been a huge splash. And, um, you know, much to my chagrin, maybe, over the last few weeks, her coming back has made a splash. But we won't get into that. Uh, God, this is, this is a coin flip for me. But I think if we're talking about this year, Becky's had some injuries and been out. And Drew's been consistent all year. I'm going to give the edge to Drew. Well, um, as awesome as the Clash of the Castle was, I feel like that was Drew's only moment this year. Uh, in at WrestleMania, he wrestled Mad Cat Moss and rest, and uh, chopped the ropes off with a rubber sword. <laughs> uh, and he's he's had some like you know just kind of he's just been floating all year, and then like got the random program with with Roman uh, for the castle, and yeah, that was like a big splash. But you know, I think Becky. Uh, had maybe match of the night with Bianca at WrestleMania and at SummerSlam. Um, and then the returns, um, uh, her her participation in war games. Uh, yeah, because she was injured and wasn't around as much as uh, Drew, I think Drew's lack of booking up until Clash of the Castle uh, is overshadowed by Becky's multiple moments this year as, you know, as much as as injured as she was, she's had multiple big moments this year over Drew, in my opinion. All right, Wade. Yeah, I, I have to I have to agree with Ron on that one. Uh, as far as I could, like, if I think of both of them, the only thing I think of with Drew is is the the castle. Uh, I think of Becky. I think of the arc of coming into twenty twenty two as one of the hottest heels, working her way up to the redemption story, the face turn going away for a while because of the injury and they coming back to that giant pop and not missing a beat. Uh, I have to give it to Becky Lynch. All right. Moving on. This one's fun, but I think this one might be a little easier than I'd like it to be. Uh, this is definitely someone one was maybe a little bit of a surprise. And the other was one we absolutely thought was going to be a breakout star based on how the year was ending last year. 
Logan Paul and Eddie Kingston. I'm going to let Wade kick this one off. Oh, wow. Um, well, I, my, my vote on this one is going to be skewed because I, I honestly, and I'm going to get heat. I know I don't really watch Eddie Kingston's material. So by default, I have to give it to Logan Paul. Um, I think Logan Paul put on some really good performances considering, um, his lack of experience in the business and come in and immediately as an outsider and not a guy that, you know, came in, you know, worked a couple different sessions and schools and whatnot, hone his craft. It's different, you know, just coming in and, and having a couple of weeks to get prepared for a show. than if you were going, you know, three nights a week. Um, but I think he put on performance after performance and, one of the best transition uh, celebrities into wrestling in quite some time. I have to give it to him on that one. Now, so for me, I mean, Eddie is a friend. You know, he's he's, a, he's someone I talk to. I te- We text back and forth. And uh, he's stayed along his travels with me at my home. But uh, at the end of last year, he got super over, like really over. Then there was this great article about him. He was like a can't-miss, absolutely top guy that should be kicking ass right now in the title picture, and it's just another ball that Tony Khan has dropped over the last year along with FTR and Brian Danielson. These guys just like hand, just handed him superstars, and uh, he did nothing with them. Whereas Logan Paul, you know, surprised everyone at WrestleMania and was great. And then, like, had, frankly, one of the matches of the year. Like, you can't undersell the match he had with Roman. It's absolutely incredible. And, uh, you know, Eddie Kingston got stuck in the uh, Jericho burial for three or four months. So it's kind of a no contest to me, whereas I hoped it had been a close call. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think it's Logan Paul. Ronald? Yeah, if this was 2021, we'd be having a much longer conversation with Eddie moving on, but uh, it's it's not this year. Like, you know, the only image, positive image I have of Eddie in my head for this year is him walking down bloody with the gas can. And I had the I had the privilege of seeing that live, and that is Eddie's career in a nutshell as far as 2022 goes. But Logan Paul, you know, for all intents and purposes, was someone that like on paper that I'm supposed to not like. And really, right. no, really nobody yeah. my age likes this kid before he stepped into the ring and took it seriously and respected it and, quite frankly, does it a lot better than a lot of the experienced people there. Uh, just because he gets it. He looks like he gets it and he's comfortable. He doesn't look like he's in his own head the whole time. And that is so odd to see someone so new do it because I think he just gets, you know, the game, you know, like, you know. <sighs> Being a YouTuber, you know, I, I've 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 come to learn, you know, a lot of these guys, they're working, you know, they're not real, right. they're not real douchebags, you know, he, he comes yeah. off as a douchebag, but he's smart, yeah. he's a very smart dude, and he's like, oh, I can take this and use my athleticism too, and I think all that he gets it, and I'm excited for what he's gonna bring in 2023. If this was a breakout for 2023 bracket, <laughs> he'd be a dark horse for to win it. So two points that you made that I like to touch on. One, yes, someone to be have no matches and look natural in there and not look like they're thinking about what the fuck they're supposed to be doing is like, 
That's like Kurt Angle level shit right there. Yeah. Like he's it's insane that he can do that. I will just take a little bit of just like all of Logan Paul's matches so far. Remember when Ronda started and like her first couple of matches were really great, like the match at SummerSlam. So right now, Logan Paul is the benefit of not having to work on a weekly basis. And he gets to practice all his matches for six weeks and figure everything out and go through all the spots and do everything. So I'm really interested to see if it translates if his schedule, if he picks up his schedule at some point, if he starts working Monday Night Raws, if he start, if, you know, if they make him a little less of an attraction and he has to work on a week to week basis, if he's actually a really good worker or if he's just really good with the practice and whatnot, because Rhonda looks like a deer in the headlights right now, most of the time now that she's working on a week to week basis. So I'm, I really like to see him work a little bit more, not a lot, just a little bit more, and see what we got. See, and I'm like on the opposite end of that. I think they ought to use what they did with Ronda as an example to do what not to do with Logan Paul. Right. Like that, WWE shoots himself in the foot this way all the time with oversaturation. That's what happened with Roman. You know, if if Roman wasn't so shoved down our throats as the top guy immediately, we wouldn't have they everyone wouldn't have you know looked down at him or booed him out of the building for so long. But yeah. if if they would have pulled the trigger on him last year for the first time, it would have worked immensely. Uh, right. So I, I do hope they keep him like an attraction because that's the only time where I think people get good talking points for the matches that they're promoting. I like to add on to something real quick about the Logan Paul thing. Two things. One, um, you can definitely tell that he is a fan first. He's right. not just some celebrity coming in doing this just to, you know, heighten his own stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, two birds, one stone, right? He heightens his star, but he also gets to do something he loves. Years ago, I think it was 2016 or 2017, he went to School of Hard Knocks in San Bernardino to shoot a video and uh, did some training there. And you can see the excitement in his face. He was there to do business, and I respect him a lot for that. And it seems like he's being very respectful for to the business. And that's another thing, too, because a lot of celebrities will come in and you know, people will try to smarten them up to it, and they won't give a crap, and they just shit all over it. But with Logan Paul, it's the opposite. He soaks everything in like a sponge. And then the second thing is I want to add on to something that Ron was talking about. You said, you know, you get it now being a YouTuber and all that stuff. You get the guys there and they have characters and all that kind of stuff. You know, I had that reputation when I first broke into the business, you know, 12 years ago when I came in, everybody was like, oh, this fucking internet mark, this, uh, you know, the podcast guy, you know, he thinks he knows wrestling, but he don't know shit, you know, and I got a lot of shit from a lot of guys. I did. It took a long time to earn a lot of trust, but I think that, uh, the time that I put in the dedication, everything, I just put it like this. When I came in eventually within like six months to a year, there was jobs that like took five dudes to do. I took them on all by myself and I did those for like seven or eight years straight. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wore a lot of hats in a very short time in that business. And I was very loyal mainly to one promotion too. I worked a couple promotions here and there, but there was one. I was very loyal to that. And you could see that kind of same thing right there with Logan Paul. Like I didn't like the guy at first. But he came in. He shows a lot of respect to the business, and I respect him for that. Like it professionally, not personally. Yeah, just wait till <laughs> Wrestle, just wait till WrestleMania when the Usos wrestle the Paul brothers. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good. All right. 
Speaking of guys coming in from the outside, Pat McAfee and Darby Allen, Ronald. Yeah. Um, you know, Darby's another one that was just like, you know, he's still one of the pillars. Still one of the pillars, but just, uh, you know. And luckily for him, he's got that Jeff Hardy uh, fandom where losses and booking doesn't really hurt him. If he comes out, he's getting cheered, and the audience right. won't stop until he leaves. He's got that going for him, but, you know, don't don't milk that dry. You know, at least right. pull, pull the trigger on that because it's what you got that's go- that works regardless of what you do to it. Uh, so... All that being said about Darby, huge fan. Uh, Pat McAfee has had bigger moments in 2022. Uh, just the another another example. Not as comfortable in the ring as Logan Paul, I will say, but good. Like I, com- way more comfortable on the mic. I will say, he's more yes. comfortable on the mic than Logan Paul. But Logan Paul shows a little more athletic athleticism than. Uh, than Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee has that one jump up to the thing and backflip, which is fucking impressive. I can't yeah. do it. But, you know, th- they go to the well on that every match he's in because it's the biggest yeah. thing, thing he yeah, can do. Yeah. So, but long story short, it's still Pat McAfee just because of the name value, sports sports star. You know, I don't know how, how I don't want to send you down a sports rabbit hole, Cole, right, but right. I, don't, I don't know how big of a star a punter is. But... Uh, <laughs> At least you know he's a punter. <laughs> I do know he's a punter. They, they've said it numerous times. But, uh, yeah, uh, Pat McAfee for sure. WrestleMania, well, I... SummerSlam, uh, his commentary, uh, yes. fantastic. Every, yeah. Well, I will, I will take a little bit of issue with something you said where I think Pat McAfee is head and shoulders a better worker than Logan Paul. Logan Paul definitely has more athleticism. His movements may be a little bit smoother, but Pat McAfee understands how to work. Like, if you go back to the stuff with Adam Cole, like, he understands how to be a heel. He understands how to keep, you know, keep the vibe going and work, not necessarily wrestling-wise, but, like, working the crowd, the feel of the match, the intensity. I think he, that, Pat McAfee, because he was also trained, like by an old school serious guy in a, in a fucking barn with a ring in 30 degrees. Like, I mean, busted his ass. He understands the nuances of the business already. And I think Pat McAfee's the one guy I say right now, I feel confident if he was working week to week, he'd be fine. But he's such a big star outside of wrestling. Um, you know, he had to quit the commentary job because he got a huge gig where he's doing this, you know, college football now. And so, uh, I mean, not to mention he got Brock Lesnar and Vince McMahon to sit down in a podcast. Right. Exactly. Brock doing a podcast is like, it's, it's even more shocking than Vince. To be honest. (laughs) Yeah. And both of them like having fun and being comfortable around him. Right. Right. So I think Pat McAfee could be a huge star when he wants, when he wants to be, which is right. Awesome to think. (laughs) Now, just a little bit about Darby, because I feel like Pat McAfee is going to be a clean sweep here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Darby's been incredible. He, he, on top of the fact that he has, like, a little bit of that Jeff Hardy, he's insane, you know, that Jeff Hardy, Cactus Jack kind of heat, he also has a little bit of the Rey Mysterio underdog thing going for him, too. So, like, those two things combined, plus he's just got this strange charisma about him that you just 
want to root for him and like him. There's something about him. And I, yes, pull the fucking trigger. Why isn't he on the show every week? Because he's friends. He likes CM Punk. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so 2-0, Wade. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. You know, I I have to go with Pat McAfee uh, just because, you know, he did have a lot bigger moments, in my opinion. Um, he had he had Vince McMahon's last match. He's always going to be on the talking point of that. Whenever people yeah. talk about what was what was it like in the decline of Vince McMahon, Pat McAfee's in that conversation. That is like right place, right time, wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> but with Darby Allen, here's my thing about Darby Allen. I got a lot of respect for the guy, right? He puts his body on the line. Does he have to? I don't think he has to all the time, but he still does. I give him respect for that. I want to know, can he still be over on his own? Because the last two years, he's been with Sting. Is Sting the sole reason why he's over as much as he is right now because of the rub? No. Or is he going to be able to do that by himself? No. I See, I think, I think Darby was standing on his own the whole time and Sting went with him because he was over. I yeah. just got him and he just wanted to take him to that next level. Darby was like was positioned to be one of the the four pillars yeah. of AEW and that was yeah. before the Sting union. Um but so, since Sting came in and everything is Darby Allen bigger now than he was 2 years ago? I think so. Just I, just I I okay. yeah, I think he's got a steady growth, but I don't think the problem is not that, you know, I don't think Sting's helping necessarily with Darby. I think Sting's a good addition, and I think yeah. together it's a cool team. But the booking of Darby is the exactly. problem. And there's nothing, you know, Sting has no control over that. Darby doesn't have much control over that. So, no. I, I, and, yeah. And, it, that's, you know. and that's why I'm mentioning the whole the whole aura of Darby Allen. Like, he's got that. It doesn't matter how bad his booking is or how much he loses. The audience just likes likes him. Yeah. And that that is hard to earn. Just like, oh, we don't care. We like you. You know, right. it's just. And, you know. Say what you want about his indie riffic matches, but the dude knows how to sell. Like I'll put him up there with like, you know, just like a modern day steamboat as far as the way he sells moves. You know, yes, he looks like he's getting killed out there, and he probably is, but you know, he still does the in betweens, the aftermaths of the move taking, and really like you know begging the audience for help, reaching out. Like he does old school shit for what he does. And if right. you haven't seen Dynamite this week, look what he did for Samoa Joe. Uh, <laughs> I'm a, looking forward to it. It's a classic. It's one of the biggest. Just, just watch it. Everyone at home, if you haven't seen it, watch it. All right. Kevin Owens <sighs> versus the Usos. I'll kick this one off because this one's really interesting to me. Yeah. Because Kevin Owens' year has been up and down. Like, Kevin Owens had maybe the highest peak you could possibly have having a match at WrestleMania with Stone Cold Steve Austin. It doesn't get any bigger in this business than that period. However, he's also had some of the lowest of fucking lows that you could possibly have doing the Ezekiel Elias angle. <laughs> but then Triple H is right at the ship and he's kind of trending back upwards. Whereas the Usos, for me, I've always enjoyed their work. They're, they're athletic. They're good workers. But this year, they've just been on a steady climb like, this time last year, I could have gone without seeing the Usos ever again for the rest of my life, and I'd have been okay. 
because they're while they're talented and athletic, there's a thousand teams like that on the indies and in the business today. But now at this point, with what they've been doing for the last six months with the bloodline and Sami Zayn and all this, I think we got some stars, potential stars on our hands now. So I'm going to lean Usos on this. I'm also going to lean the Usos as well because, yeah, like you said, you know, they were just kind of there last year and the year before, but now they're like the stars of the television show, both channels. Like, you know, so much so that, you know, Roman is on a part-time schedule and they have no problem giving majority of the TV time to the bloodline without Roman there because they can carry it. And the Usos in quite a while is the first tag team where like they, they're really going out of their way to give both members their own identity. Like Jay is the paranoid, you know, thinker, right hand man of Roman Reigns, and Jay and uh, and Jimmy is the you know just the guy, just the happy go lucky guy that's just trying to keep everyone cool. I I know with the Usos, I felt like they were just twin magic. They were just gonna be stuck together forever. But if there's ever a breakup, I could see Jay being a great single star. Uh, and let's not forget what this whole story has done for Sami Zayn like it's don't worry it's been it's been a resurgence for the guy and we'll talk about him more later but yeah for between these two I have to go the Usos Wade 100% agree with everything both of you have said about that Uh, a lot more talking points about the Usos than there has been uh, consistently about Kevin Owens Um, Cole man you, you hit the nail on the head you cannot get bigger then main eventing a night of WrestleMania with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, so yeah, I'm. I have to go with the Usos. That consistently, they had they're on an uprise. Like earlier, I, I forgot what round it was we were talking about, and I chose you know consistent rise over an up and down. And then Kevin Owens had the up and down, so I have to stay consistent with that. All right, Ronda Rousey and the honorary Us. Everyone feeling oozy right now. Sammy Zayn, Ronald. I don't need to explain because we're going to talk about him a lot more down the road. But for these two, it's a no-brainer for me. Sammy Zayn moves on. Ronda, you want to talk about steam being lost? Like it just, it sucks. It's I feel so bad. Like you know, it, not for not for her, not for like the company. Just the moments that this could have had like this is the most important woman in athletics at one point and we have her in this company and and it's just squandered like it's how i feel about punk's return like it was the last thing this industry was craving and it's squandered uh so yeah i i had high hopes for ronda rousey but this year has been just absolutely atrocious and it's written on her face i feel like since ronda's return on day one of her return, it was written on her face that this time it was more so like the first time she came around, it was a passion project and she really wanted to do it. And now it just feels like it's a job and she has to do it and she needs to make money. So she's showing up, she's doing it. Plus Vince told her to fucking smile, which took away the one thing about Ronda Rousey that got her over her being a total fucking badass. And they got her prancing around and skipping and smiling and shit. And it killed the whole thing. 
And now it feels like it's just too late, even though she's back working heel now. At least they have her with Shayna. That could lead to some cool stuff down the road. But feuding with Liv Morgan, like, I like Liv. She's done well for herself this year. She's big, you know, she's gotten over with the fans. But when Liv Morgan is in the ring with Ronda Rousey, it's the blind leading the blind. And it's rough. It's hard to watch. It's, uh, you know, and then they're going to put Ronda in there with Shotzi Blackheart. And other, <laughs> like, you can't put Ron, like, let's just be honest. It takes seven years to figure this business out, like, on average for normal humans, except for Kurt Angle. Like, it takes about seven years to figure this business out. Why is Ronda Rousey in there to be the veteran carrying other people who also don't know what the hell they're doing? I don't know what they're doing. It's brutal. Sami Zayn all the way, and I won't even put him over yet because we've got three or four more rounds to talk about his amazingness right now. Wade? <laughs> oh, man. This is uh, this is, this is is easy as hell. Um, I don't know if you guys see what's in my hand right here. It's a card. Is it a certain kind of card? Am I going to play that certain card on this round? You know, if, if you're talking about the Darso, there's no card invented. Well, it's right here. <laughs> it's, a special... it's a first, ladies and gentlemen. It's a first. <laughs> he yeah. actually has a physical Darso. <laughs> it's it's DLC in the Ring Scoops card game. No, I I, I Sammy Zayn all the way. I'm. That's it. That's enough said. Mic drop. All right. For now. MJF and Jade Cargill. Ronald? Ooh, well, I mean, this is, you know, you can make a case for Jade Cargill, but not when she's going up against MJF. You know, between the title win uh, and that promo uh, and him making Wardlow on his own, only for the company to drop that ball, too. That six ball drop so far. Uh, yeah, the whole the whole uh, news about him not no-showing the, the signing, um making it to double or nothing, having that match, cutting that promo, going away, the big devil return, even though the latter match portion of that return was stupid. Uh, uh, he came back at the end, uh, came back jacked, uh, and then beat John yeah. Moxley, and now he's the champion, and hopefully he has genius promo segments with everybody to make them better on television every week. Like, seriously, I have not given a crap about Ricky Starks until this week. Uh, right. And I think, and it, and it's so refreshing to see such a young guy make somebody important just by standing next to the person. Right. It's insane. Yeah, MJF is light years ahead of just about every other person in the business, except for maybe Roman and CM Punk at this point. Uh, and, and they have yeah. a decade of life on him. Right. <laughs> Right, at least CM Punk's got like 20 years on him almost yeah. at this point. Like, it's insane how good MJF is already. So, he's moving on for me, but I just want to put Jade Cargill over for a minute. Like, Oh, God, I, I need about five more minutes to put her over. <laughs> if you had a machine and you were going to make like the perfect female wrestler, out would pop Jade Cargill. Now, I mentioned it takes about seven years to figure this business out. I think they're doing this is the one person I think they're doing a really good job with. They're protecting her, they're keeping her strong. She hasn't lost yet, right? I still think she hasn't lost yet. She's still undefeated. It's very scary when someone's first match is on national television. 
when they're going to be wrestling week to week to week to week. It's very scary. But I think they've they've you know tiptoed over those landmines very well. I think they've done a great job. And I think maybe two or three years from now, we might be having a different discussion about Jade Cargill. But as for now, uh, I'm enjoying her steady ascent to being a star, and I hope it keeps going. But uh, yeah, MJF, no-brainer, got to go through Wade. Yeah, no, um, yeah, with with Jade, um, with you guys on that man, she has improved vastly over the last two years, and and the sky's the limit with her. Uh, I give her a lot of respect for the work that she's put in. Um, she's definitely doing it the right way. Uh, as far as uh, MJF goes, he's had one hell of a year. I remember watching him before AEW was even a concept, watching him every week on MLW and blowing my mind, thinking to myself, like, can't wait to see this guy in the WWE. And then when AEW was announced, I was like, oh, there's no doubt they're scooping this guy up if Vince hasn't picked him up by now. Um, and I want to I want to add on something that you guys were talking about when uh, MJF put Wardlow over and they dropped the ball at Wardlow. And Cole, you said, what, six balls dropped already? Yeah, there's six ball drops that we've mentioned so far in this bracket. AEW has dropped more balls in 2022 than a middle school. Because <laughs> they were like... The, the the cool kid on campus a year ago, and now they're sitting alone at the table, you know, eating their own boogers and shit. Hey, I don't get it. Jake Hager's got a purple hat now. The company's going to be fine. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. A purple hat. Edge and Rhea Ripley, Ronald. The mm. floor is yours, good sir. Mm. Oh, This is my favorite matchup. Oh, sorry. Uh, I, I'm still, I'm still just, I'm still just thinking about Cole mentioning Rio Ripley and saying the floor is mine. Um, <laughs> the floor, the couch, the bed, the shower, everything. Who's she going up against? Edge. Oh, okay. Uh, it's Rio Ripley. Sweet. Yeah. I, you know. Uh, so when this gimmick started, <laughs> what is the group called? I, it's Judgment Day. My mind. So when the Judgment Day started, I thought it was the beginning of something that was going to be huge for the WWE. And almost immediately, they fucked it up. Like, <laughs> within a month, they fucked up the Judgment Day. Edge cut some insanely great promos, and then Edge said, no, I don't want to do magic. I'm not doing this shit anymore. And they just dropped the fucking ball hard. And Rhea has somehow saved this just like this gimmick, this faction that was going nowhere fast yeah. because she's phenomenal. She could be the single biggest star in the wrestling business, in my opinion, because th she has everything. Like she has the realism of a Gunther that we love. She also is stunningly beautiful, like just insanely beautiful. But her character, her personality, she carries herself like the top heels do. She acts like a badass. She lives the gimmick like she's amazing. I love Rhea Ripley. I think in two years, there's a chance that, you know, we see another Becky Lynch situation where the biggest star in the company is a female and her name will be Rhea Ripley. Yeah. Wade? Yeah. Uh, just just want to piggyback on that. Like, you know, I'll I'll comedy gushing aside because yeah she's a metal chick that's hot and that's totally for me 
But as a performer in the wrestling business, she is one of the best women to do it right now. Like she knows her character and yeah, the judgment day was dead in the water. And then the Mysterio uh, angle happened and she's been carrying it very well. So much so that I don't, I, I, I hope that we're not getting the obvious Dominic versus Ray one-on-one match. I hope it's some sort of tag match where Rhea can have a spot with Ray Mysterio in the match, because I think that is the only way that society is going to allow a man and a woman to wrestle is if that big lady wrestles that small man. <laughs> uh, so I think they would have such an awesome spot, and I want to see that so bad. I got to be honest with you guys about Rhea Ripley, man. I did not, I did not get her at all when she first came on. Um, I wasn't with her on NXT when she. I didn't got get her either, the... and I tried. Yeah, <laughs> I tried as well. Um, I thought she had a she had a great match with uh, who was it was Charlotte right at WrestleMania in 2020. It was the best one I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, absolutely. Yeah, they tore it down. It's just it's sad that there wasn't an audience for that because that was they they would have popped big for that. Um, other than that, like especially her 2021 run, I just did not get it. I did not like her at all. Um, I don't know if it was because maybe a lack of a personality or whatever, but with everything that you guys have said about this judgment day thing, when that started and she came in, it changed it right there. Um, I, I, I dig Rhea Ripley. Am I a huge fan of her? No, but I don't hate her anymore. And that's a big <laughs> plus right there. Um, I don't, I don't leave the TV when she's on screen anymore. Like I used to, I used to just turn it off and oh, wait. Man. Yeah. It was that bad for me, but it, I can watch her stuff. Now I think uh, her and Dominic, I think have great chemistry with each other. Phenomenal chemistry. It reminds me a lot of Eddie Guerrero in China a lot. Um, Dominic is far from having an inch of that charisma. He is very far, but he'll, he's young enough. He can learn it. You know? it, it, it works for him. It, it, he's got that pussy kid face that's, you know, that's out of his league. It, I think it's, I think it's working so far. Yeah. And then like that clip they shot where they, you know, Rhea and Dominic showed up to Ray's house on Thanksgiving and they beat the crap out of him in front of his own Christmas tree, you know, and yeah. that was just beautiful, man. But yeah, Rhea, I, I, I got to go with her on that one. With all due respect to edge edge has not had, uh, a lot of talking moments in uh, in 2022 for me. All right, clean, sweet, moving on. This one seems silly on the surface, but when we recap the year, this makes a lot of sense. Brock Lesnar versus Jeff Jarrett in 2022. Oh, Jeff Jarrett jumped on the bandwagon with no television to promote nothing, just a podcast, just some YouTube videos. And sold out a show with Ric Flair so fast that they had to move to a different venue and still sold out an 8,000-seat arena and made us care about a pay-per-view with no card, just a main event. And uh, not even a main event announced, just knowing that Jarrett and Flair were going to mix it up on this card. Uh, The pay-per-view was huge. And now Jeff Jarrett's back on TV again. He's revitalized his career. Uh... This is a Jeff Jarrett for me over Brock, Ronald. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, I will have Brock Lesnar all day, every day. Uh, his two main events this year alone, along with what he did for Bobby Lashley at that, uh, that these past couple months, uh, selling for him, playing injured and like 
you know, actually selling an injury from somebody it does wonders for the worker that he's doing it for. And yeah, I'm, I'm as proud as I am to call myself a fan of Jeff because he's because of his podcast and he's turned a lot of opinions around, you know, doing the indie stuff and the last outlaw, but just something about him standing next to Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt on AEW just screams pure death to me. I have n- I am not on board with this <laughs> AEW run at all. It actually made me like it, it actually I was like, "Oh, of course he's going to do this now that I like him." That's my attitude when it happened. <laughs> he's just going to fucking he's going to strut that ass onto TBS and ruin this too. God damn it. <laughs> so uh it's Brock for me. Wade? All right. Yeah, Brock, you know, he I loved his SummerSlam match. I absolutely loved it. I love the stuff he did with Bobby Lashley. I didn't care for his WrestleMania match at all. I hated it actually. It sucked. Um night night one was way better than night two. Like overall for me. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um but like Jeff Jarrett, like I have to go back to what I was talking about earlier with a couple people. You, you look at how they started the year. You look how they end the year. Jeff Jarrett started off. He was a backstage producer in the WWE. And oh, yeah. then he got his job as the head of live events for WWE. He was almost a board member. Cause remember there was a lot of jokes that said, what happens when Vince McMahon gets in trouble? A Jarrett comes in. Because they happened in the 90s with uh, Jerry and now Jeff. And everybody thought, holy crap, Jeff Jarrett's going to be running the show probably with Nick Khan. And then he left and then he did the flair thing. And then he shows up in AEW. It's like this guy is everywhere and he doesn't have to be. He's not even a full time worker. And he's talked about more than half the guys in the business today. Sounds like a virus spreading. It, yeah, it does, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jarrett 19. <laughs> and uh but no you know it's i don't know to me this is this is a very tough one this it really is and, and i know there's probably people listening to this being like come on man it's one way or the other but uh hey it's your night pal i go with brock lesnar just because i i respect the, the accolades and accomplishments and getting your name out there that Jarrett did this year but i still have to have a lot more respect on uh the in-ring stuff and brock lesnar brought it this year all right i'm not gonna darso it because jeff jarrett will probably not move on because he'll be taking on the winner of this match bianca belair and sheamus ronald why would jeff jarrett take on the winner of this match he just lost well if i darsoed him i preface that by saying i'm not gonna darso him because i'll probably lose in the next round and it'd be a waste of a darso now we're all on the same page and oh. Bianca and Sheamus go. <laughs> okay, I'll start. Bianca Belair uh, once again stole the show at WrestleMania this year. It was great. I mean, sorry, we got 15 minutes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but Sheamus, you know what? I thought Sheamus was dead and buried. I thought his career was over in WWE. I didn't think there was any way they could ever get him over again. But good old workout partner Triple H gets back into control. And you know what? I give a shit about Sheamus again. He had one of the matches of the year with Gunther. Oh, this is so tough for me, but I'm going to give the WrestleMania moment that Bianca Belair had the slight edge. So it's Bianca for me. 
it's also going to be Bianca for me as well. As good of a year as Sheamus has had, his uh, his career is reinvigorated. He's a he's a, the leader of a stable. He had a standing O of a of a match at, in his home country, uh, I think, Ireland. Yeah, no geography. Okay, good. Uh, sure. Yeah, sure. But uh, over there, it was over there. Yeah, yeah, overseas, <laughs> overseas. I, I seize it over there. Uh, so. Uh, Bianca though, Bianca is going to be one of those stars. Like she had just, she just has that personality that like WWE cover poster character, you know, she has that look, she has the, the fanfare, the music. She's one of those likable people. And my God, the athleticism on that woman right. is ridiculous and something that I'll never attain. Uh, so yeah, Bianca Belair is probably one of the standouts in the women's division for a long time. Uh, so Bianca. You know, um, I don't, Seamus is weird to me. There's a, been a <laughs> long time where I'm like, man, just get this guy off my TV for a very, very long time. I loved what he did with uh, Cesaro. The bar was a great tag team. I finally got into Seamus when they did that. I was like, here we go. We're off to the races now. And then that died out and he floundered for a long time. And then what he's doing now is just fabulous work. He's really stepped up his game. I'm finally kind of like into what they got going on. With Bianca Belair, when she first got on the scene, I think the first time I saw her was in the Mae Young Classic. And I was cheering her on because I was like, oh, okay, she's got a look that is very marketable. She does the the gimmick with the hair. She's got it, man. She's got it. She was very green at the time too, but she—you could just tell, you know, you just know when somebody's got the it factor. And I knew, like, you give her a year or two, and she's gonna make, you know, have people talking. And she did. I just when she got up onto the main roster and everything, I just wasn't getting it for some reason. I didn't, I didn't really enjoy what she had to offer. But this year, twenty twenty two, I've full circle. It's like the Rhea Ripley effect. Um, I'm. I'm watching her more. I'm entertained more by what she does in the ring, what how is she how she presents herself with the microphone and everything. And so this is a tough one for me because like both people, Seamus and Bianca, I have full circled around, you know, and I'm I'm with both of them now. I'm into their acts. But I have to give the edge to Bianca Belair. That's my vote. All right, another unanimous one. Now, this is probably six months ago the silliest thing anyone ever would have said, and everyone would have laughed Dominic Mysterio out of the building when they found out he was taking on CM Punk. But oh. over the last couple months, Dominic, like, I was to the point with Dominic Mysterio where he could just go away. Like, I'm like, he needs to go away, learn a new hold, <laughs> figure it out on the indies for four or five years, and then come back. And then Rhea Ripley, the goddess of professional wrestling, cast her fucking grace upon him and made Dominic Mysterio fucking interesting. And, and she is a magician. I swear. I, I love Dominic now. I'm interested. I want to see it. I think he's he's finally looks like he's a little bit more comfortable. He's not out there looking like a deer in the headlights. So it's interesting. And who knows? Punk may just disappear into the ethos at this point. We don't know what the future holds for him. So a year from now, this could be a no-brainer the opposite way. But I think for now, it's still CM Punk, everything he did this year. 
and the crowds and everything. So I'm still leaning punk. Ronald? Yeah, I think Dominic's biggest accomplishment is this taking longer than it should uh, as far as this bracket goes. (laughs) You know, you asked me at the beginning of this year, I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Next, uh, CM Punk. But, you know, I do want to give my flowers to Dominic because he's really turned it around. And, yeah, he's had people around him to help him. But, you know, he's still got to go out there and cut those squeamish bitch boy promos and get the heat from the crowd. You know, the audacity to go out there and say he's this generation's Eddie Guerrero is pretty nuclear heat. Uh, So I'm very proud of the kid, very proud of the young man. And it's kind of fitting that uh, he's going up against CM Punk because CM Punk had one of the best angles ever with Rey Mysterio where Rey Mysterio was coming out with his family and just kind of showing him off and say, we're happy to be here. And then CM Punk comes out and eerily gets in like Aaliyah's face and sings happy birthday to her all creepy. Like, and it was like the most, I remember it was just like <clears throat> being floored and how dramatic and like nutty and how heat seeking it was. So that brought back some cool memories. I'm going to fucking find that and watch it. But yeah, CM Punk, uh, had a great, had a great year. I got to watch his, uh, him winning the title from Hangman Live. Uh, so, yeah, great year for CM Punk. Hard to beat. Uh, thanks for coming, Dominic. Uh, can't wait to talk about you next year. Wade. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys on that one. Uh, a year ago, I think we all would have just immediately said CM Punk and moved on. Uh, this, this year right here in this moment, we gave Dominic about two or three minutes of discussion, and then we're moving on with saying Sam punk. <laughs> so, but yeah, any, anybody that wins a world title in a year definitely has the upper edge, let alone the experience and the name value behind Sam punk. So yeah, Sam punk. All right. Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins, Ronald. Oh man. And they're intertwined right now too. Uh, I think I'm going to go. Bobby had a great moment by putting Lesnar on his ass with a full Nelson. That's cool to see. And it's cool to see Brock like sell a full Nelson like it's pure death. Right. But you want to talk about someone who's turned in a, who's turned opinions around. Uh, Seth Rollins was kind of skating on get off my television for a while. Uh, great wrestler, great bell to bell performer, but that was it. You know, I'm sorry, but in this company, you got to be a character. And it felt like that they were just throwing a bunch of shit at the wall and seeing what stuck with him. But then, like, he just really committed to this weird 60s Batman villain, this fashionista weirdo thing, the cackle, the the mannerisms. And he's really come into that. And, uh, and the fact that he's owning it so well, the audience is buying it, too. And not to mention what he did for Cody this year, uh, all three matches and the return. You know, I don't think like a moment a babyface makes is good enough unless the heel sells it. And if you go back and forth to Seth Rollins' facial expressions during Cody's return, he made Cody a big deal as well, even though the pomp and circumstances were behind his return already. But Seth Rollins did a very special thing on making him a lot more important than he already was, too. Damn it. So I'm going with Seth Rollins. Yeah. I was going Lashley all the way, and then you hit me with the Cody. You reminded me of the Cody. Because for me, I think this has been Bobby Lashley's best year in the business by by far, bar none. This is the first time I think he's actually got over. They did a real nice job with him with the U.S. title, but the Cody thing steals it for me. I agree. Seth moving on. Wade? 
Yeah, Seth Rollins for sure, with everything that you guys have mentioned. All right, Cody Rhodes and John Moxley. Wade, would you like to take this one? Uh yeah. Um I have not watched a whole lot of John Moxley. I'm not a, a I'm not a, a casual or not even a casual AEW fan. I'm a I'll check in with them every once in a while kind of fan, right? But at the same time, with all due respect to Cody Rhodes, he was only back for a couple months. John Moxley put in a lot of work. Even though I didn't watch it, I heard about it. Then that's enough right there. So John Moxley gets my vote. Ronald? Well, as someone who watched both, uh, I will say, <laughs> you know, uh, John Moxley knows a song and sings the same one every week. Whereas Cody had the craziest return of them all this year. And it was like very, it was like the first shot fired of like where this war between AEW and WWE felt like it was something special instead of just like mid Carter's debuting on each other's show. Cody yeah. jumping ship to WrestleMania, returning as the American Nightmare at WrestleMania alone for me would make him move on from John Moxley in 2022. I have to say in 2022. But not only that, we're talking about the feud he had with, with Seth Rollins up until wrestling that Hell in a Cell match with the torn peck. That, you, I don't care how much blood you think you drink or how many, uh, how many barbed wire bats that have been swung at you, that shit hurts. <laughs> that really hurts a lot for a long period of time. And Triple H tore his peck in a match and then finished the match. That's one thing. This guy tore his peck and was bruised already and had to wrestle that way. So Cody stepped up as as far as being a man to me. Uh, like I, I thought he was a good character, but now he's like one of the boys to me. Like as far as like takes the business seriously. Like that is a Rhodes to me. Yeah, Moxley, I will say, is probably the MVP for AEW this year because of all the bullshit that's happened. The rent, I mean. They just, they had a slew of injuries and then they had, you know, the press conference, that situation and punk and, and, and the EVPs and that whole thing. And Moxley, even when it's maybe been detrimental to his character and, and, and the title, frankly, through no fault of his own, he stepped up every time and absolutely crushed it. He he's run with the ball. So props to him, but Cody may be the first genuinely over white meat baby face we've had since the yes movement and like what he did at wrestlemania he established himself as a star i think he established himself this year between wrestlemania and the injury in the cage match as the number one head and shoulders top baby face in the industry so to me it's cody rhodes moving on is that darso material no all right We've reached the final match, which is good because we got about five minutes left. So <laughs> we're going with the two kind of breakout stars, people that were not really on the, you know, in our ears before this. They weren't, you know, in our sights. We didn't expect them to break out. But Austin Theory and Scissor Me Daddy, the acclaimed Ronald. Oh, my gosh. If you were going to tell me, like, at the start of the acclaimed Scissor Me Daddy ass versus the start of Theory's year, I would be on Austin Theory's bandwagon all day, every day. But the rise of the acclaimed, not to mention the resurgence of Billy Gunn. 
Billy Gunn is dishing out more detentions for high schoolers today. <laughs> Again. With back in my day, it was the suck it. Now he's getting kids to scissor each other. My goodness. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I think as far as like AEW doesn't have a lot of these homegrown over acts. Uh, I gotta go with the acclaimed on this one. Wade. Ah oh, man, see it, it sucks because I don't watch a whole lot of AEW, right? So like it's hard for me to give a fair and honest. Well, I no, I am being honest, but a fair uh, assessment between the two. Uh, but I, I've definitely have enjoyed uh, a majority of what Austin Theory had to offer. There was a little bit of time there, but in between Money in the Bank and like October, that he just was just gone. Like I don't even know what they did with him. But I think he's back on an uptick right now, and I think he's he's got a a, a bright twenty twenty three ahead of him. I have to go with what I know. And what I know is what I see, and that's WWE. So Austin Theory. I I will agree. Now that Triple H has punished or sufficiently punished Austin Theory for Vince McMahon liking him and pushing him and buried him and beat him into absolute powder, made him look like a complete moron and just a totally hapless baby or heel that could do nothing right. They had him get mad and beat someone up, and now he's a champion after he squandered the money in the bank on a United States title match and lost to a dead person, basically, that just got destroyed by either Brock or Lashley. It was Lashley, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sorry, Theory. Next year should be better for you. But to me, there is nothing more fun and exciting in the wrestling business right now than scissor me, daddy. It is the dumbest thing ever. It might be the dumbest thing that's ever gotten over besides a sock puck bit cobra. But like, it's, it's just, it's, this is the first thing. This is the one ball this year that Tony Khan did not completely drop. He picked it up and ran with it. The fans handed it to him and he ran the plays and uh, the acclaimed is fucking over now. Like if you'd have told me six months ago that any tag team in this business was going to get more over this year than FTR, I just said, you're fucking crazy. But the Usos and the acclaimed have done it. So for me, I've got the acclaim moving on. Yeah. No balls are dropping. If two men are scissoring. Oh, all right. No balls being dropped, but I'd like to drop my Darso card right now. Oh, oh no! no! Play the music! <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, it's happened. The The scissor me daddy ass is, is out of here. Uh, I'm so deflated and so sad that I forgot who's moving on instead. Um, oh, I have a theory, and his name is Austin. Yes, the, the guy that took a really nice stunner at the beginning of the year. Uh, a really nice stunner. Yeah. was It was, in, it was really nice. It was really nice. And, and he was in awe of Vince's golden egg at the end of last year. Um, That's right. Yeah, yeah. Solid play. Solid play. Well, uh, we are desperately out of time. Wade, thank you for cramming this in to my first three hours of free time in about 10 days. Uh, this weekend is going to be crazy for me. I have a show down in San Diego, barbershop show. If you guys are in the San Diego area and you want to check us out, we'll be at Cardiff by the Sea. You can go check out the Masters of Harmony. Uh, Wade, I know you've got to catch a bus, so we'll let you plug all your stuff next week when you rejoin us for part two of this bracket. Uh, Ronald, any quick closing thoughts before I do the outro? 
<sighs> the acclaimed is out with a Darso at the end of the show. You're lucky we don't have enough time for me to cuss you out, Wade. But I'll do it <laughs> next week. So for Ron Kilborn and our guest Wade Needham, I am Cole Dawson saying thank you, we love you, and good night. Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130 and follow yours truly at Ron underscore Kilborn. We'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team.